you want to bring out the best in Michael, tell him he can't do something. Or he can't do it as good as somebody else. And uh, I think that he takes it as a personal challenge to go out and do it just to prove you wrong. This is the Creative Coaching Podcast with Mike Lopez, where we showcase coaches, leaders, influencers, journeys, and experiences so you can be inspired and work to get better every day. Follow us on Twitter at CreativeCoach47, on IG at Creative Coaching Podcast, listen on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, rate and review. We really appreciate that. So here we go. Today's guest is Larry Blunt. Coach Blunt is an assistant coach at Oklahoma State University. We talked to him today about vulnerability, sustaining culture in a pandemic, and teaching life skills to our players. Hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Coach Blunt, I do appreciate your time. Uh, I know you're a busy guy coming off of the NCAA tournament, uh, all that, and, you know, getting some downtime, if you will, which I'm not sure you get any. But uh, I guess if there's ever any, it would be right now. But, Coach, here again, just thank you for being on and, and being able to share your perspective with us. Mike, I appreciate it, and I apologize in advance. Uh, still trying to find my voice after <laughs> a very long season. Um, but I appreciate you you having us on, and I look forward to having a chance to, to visit with you for a few minutes. Yeah, no, that, voice or no voice, it's an, yeah, I'm so glad to have you here. Now, Coach, I'm going to start off like I do every podcast in that. How were you introduced to the game of basketball coming out of Cortland, Virginia? Well, basketball, my father was a coach, and my mom was uh, an administrator. So sport in my house was, was pretty much everything. My father played Division One football at Virginia Tech, as well as did I. Um, and in a small town, you have to play multiple sports. So yeah. um, sports and athletics and education have been always been a major part of my life. Awesome. That's great. Now, when you have uh, kind of that, I don't know if the pedigree is the right, the right word, but kind of is, where you have a family that's involved in something that is so beneficial to your physical well-being, your mental well-being, your scholastic well-being. I mean, it's just a great situation, I think. It's a recipe for success, and it seems to what you have found. That's awesome. Now, Coach, I would ask you, as a player, you know, because I know you played football as well. But what was your experience as a as an athlete, as a student athlete? Like, how did how did you see that from your lens? Um, my my path was unique. Um, I think I've got a chance to see it full circle. Uh, we had really good football teams, uh, you know, state championship contending teams, and uh, and multiple state championship type teams. Um, and I had a chance to be in a space where I was one of the better players and featured players. Um, and I think I was a 5'11 uh, freshman when I got to college, and I didn't have a ton of success early. I jumped up to 6'4 um, at the end of my freshman year. So wow. I got a chance to see the highs, the lows. I got a chance to win championships. I got a chance to be on teams that weren't great. Um, I was a part of a national championship team at James Madison in football. So I, I think I've got a chance to see the highs and lows, the peaks and the valleys. And, you know, I think all of those experiences can kind of shape who you are when you get an opportunity to be on the side of coaching. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Because you've not you've seen it all, but you've seen enough uh, to kind of help you navigate through that. And then also share that experience with those student athletes who are in that moment, who are in that space, maybe struggling with the, the, the downs and maybe you're taking it too far with the ups. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Now, going into coaching, would you say your father, uh, who, who was it in particular that influenced you or what influenced you to go into coaching after your playing career? Well, I think both mom and dad, I think that's where it started. Uh, my mom was an administrator, um, and she actually taught biology um, while I was growing up. Um, and also, she was huge into music, so uh, you know, playing piano and those things, I think having some diverse interests. Yeah. To, to kind of create some balance. And then my father, obviously, got a very good football career, and he coached. So I, I think that's where it started, having the balance of you know, not using this game. And, and, and my mom being in a position where, you know, if I, if I didn't finish my homework, I wasn't going to get to play at an early age, and that was a non-negotiable. Like, yeah. My dad wasn't winning that argument yet, no chance. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, I think at an early age, they taught me the value of both and having balance. And, you know, I also think ultimately just being in a position that, you know, that you can use this game to be able to, to help you in life. I mean, I think it's a lot of parallels with life. Um, I think it's a lot of relationships that can be developed. You know, oftentimes you're on a team and you have people coming from so many diverse backgrounds. Um, so I think leveraging that and just being more than just an athlete, I think you know that was kind of some of the takeaways that, that really came from my home and my upbringing and my experience. And I would also say various coaches and various stops. I mean, my path has been kind of unique. And I think you can learn things everywhere. And, and, and I'm grateful for a lot of the, the mentors and the coaches that I've worked alongside and worked for and worked with. So, so uh, I have a diverse experience and I, t- I have takeaways from a lot of people that are shaped and molded who I am. That's great. That's a good human experience right there. I think a lot of people can't say that. They can't say that they've, you know, they've toiled enough and then they came to this great place. But you sound like, man, hitting the ground from day one with your parents here again with your diverse upbringing, the balance you're talking about. And I like what you said about using the game because a lot of people are used by the game. And to take that approach of using the game, it's a phenomenal way to approach it in perspective. And I think young people really need to look at it like that nowadays. I think that's why that portal's so full, is because they're they're they're, they're letting things use them. They're not using it. And uh, and some of them are to be to be sure. Some of them are, but I think that that might be something to that. I don't know. We're not going to figure it out today, but. Maybe at some point, <laughs> but coach, do you recall? Yeah, do you call, do you recall a memorable moment of maybe your first experience as a coach where it was like, okay, I'm not an athlete anymore. I'm, I'm in charge. Or hey, wow, that I didn't expect that from from this. Uh, anything like that? Maybe a lot. Um, you know, my path has been very unique. I mean, I've coached at all the levels, D3, D2. Um, obviously, now I'm the Division One level. I've coached AAU. I was a high school prep school coach in Toronto. Yeah. And I laugh and joke. When I was a student athlete, I think the good Lord has a funny sense of humor. Um, and I think a lot of the things as a student athlete that I did, I think they've kind of come full circle. Um so, I, you know, I think from my experience, living in the dorms with young people when we started a prep school in Toronto, 
people outside of Toronto and, and really having the, my first experience having to, to hold young people accountable. And, I, you know, I look back at my experience, I think uh, when young people live with you and you're ultimately responsible for their well-being, I think that comes off the paper. And I think it was the first time I went from kind of being the big brother, the fun big brother, to kind of having the, to, to take on the role of being a bit of a father figure and, you know, and having to teach young people why those actions may not be the best and, and holding them accountable. So I think that was probably my experience when I kind of transitioned from being the big brother to kind of the young father, if you will. Yeah. No, we, you talk about your time there at Orangeville Prep, like that, that's a program. Uh, I remember, I think it was probably back in 2016. Yeah. Uh, I had a squad that we played against, uh, probably played against y'all. And uh, I'm not sure if you were on staff or not then at the, was it the Tarkanian Classic? And was just in awe of, of how well coached and well organized, which, I, which you know, as a high school coach, you, 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 you look at other programs and you say, wow, let's strive to do what they're doing. And so, yeah, great program, great situation. Like you're talking about when you're at a prep school, the, the kids are away from home and you got to be their home. Basically, you have to have that. You have to provide that sense of comfort and uh, affirmation and all that. So great, great experience. It seems like I, I, I see here again as an onlooker, great program, great situation. So, Coach, I want to ask you, because you talked about your, your stops and the uniqueness and, and everything that has kind of molded you or, and made you pliable for where you're at now. How, how has that happened? How do you feel like now in your current role at Drake that you're able to, to be of, add value, be of the most value to the student athletes and, and the staff? Great question, Mike. I, I think all of our views and how we uh, add value is shaped on our experience. And I know you mentioned earlier, um, a lot of student-athletes don't understand what this game can do for for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's where it starts. I mean, in the experience, I was there in the first three years at Orangeville as we were building it and growing it. In that three years, we had 30 Division One players, five NBA players, and two lottery picks over, <laughs> over a three-year period, which was unreal. Yeah. But you know, that being said, I got a chance to kind of experience a lot of the recruitment process and kind of to see the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I got kind of a window survey of it all and kind of a crash course, if you will. And from that experience, I've sat in the office when coaches, and I, I never will name names, but I can say I was there firsthand, and I heard some of the promises that were made. Um, and I saw kids that when they got there, frankly, it was it didn't work the way that it was promised. Wow. Um, you know, secondly, from that experience, you know, I've seen young people in that group. Uh, the first wave of guys that we had in year one there, they all graduated last year. Um, that first wave of guys that went on to four-year universities, they all got degrees and they all graduated. But, you know, it's pretty common practice that those guys would be there in the summer and, and they were putting guys in classes that wouldn't translate to, you know, when they were done, that would put them in a position that they would have more opportunities when they left those four-year stops than what they started with. Mm. Um, you know, so that, for me, I think was, you know, unique. And I think here, the basketball, obviously, everyone that you recruit, you only get 13 scholarships. 
everyone that you recruit can play. Or, or I've never seen a college coach go in a gym and say, yeah, I want the, the guy at any bench that doesn't play. <laughs> you know, he's not a, I've never seen anyone want that guy. Yeah. So there's an element they all can play and they all are good. But the two things I think that I really have taken away from my experience in the Valhalla, you know, I think I bring this first. I try to identify when basketball is done. Hopefully you can play professionally. You know, that's obviously a lot of the guys' dreams. But my goal is to identify what you want to do when you get done. And and let's figure out in this experience, you're helping us win championships. You're helping us win games. Let's figure out what you can do so that we can start preparing you. Maybe we get you internships. Maybe we research some of the, the salaries that you can make, the benefits, the quality of life. And once we figure out what you want to do, let's work backwards. Let's put you in the right program. Let's help connect you with people that can help you get kind of some experience to see if it's what you want to do. And, and I think the young people, they, they really, and their parents, I think they appreciate that because you're not just using them for their basketball ability, their athletic powers. Yeah. Um, and the second piece, quickly, I'll build on is I think, and I'm, I touched on it earlier, you know, these guys that we recruit, Oftentimes, they've always been the best player. Yeah. And they've never had experiences where they were not the best, you know, the, the one that everyone loves and everyone tells them how good they are. Um, I think when I got to college, and again, I was 5'11", like that was one of the first times, you know, where I wasn't featured. Yeah. And everyone recruits you telling you how much they love you. You know, if I go in a living room and I tell a young person, hey, you know, we got a, a junior and a senior in front of you. You probably won't play as a freshman or sophomore. They're probably not going to want to come. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, that young person gets there and someone recruits them and they tell them, tell them this, tell them that. I, that's a hard process that first time you're not the guy. Yeah. And I, I really think everyone is, is more inclined to work with one through six and one through seven. I find myself trying to gravitate towards the guys that are 8 to 13 and helping them develop and helping them navigate their path and helping them improve so that when their number is called, they're ready and also helping them to understand that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I, I think that's that's some of my added value, obviously, in addition to the other roles of scouting, recruiting, uh, you know, player development, some of the fundraising, um, you know, pieces or components that come with the job. But I, I really think that's an area that I really focus on. And I'm, I'm vigilant and trying to help you know, those young people improve. And that's uh, that's adding value uh, on, for the long game, not the short period of time of like these four years. And that's it. It's like the next 40 years is like a lot of people like to say, you know, it's, it's easy to say it. But at the end of the day. What are you doing to invest that time, that equity, uh, pouring into their lives? You know, you had, you know, two players like Jamal Murray and Thon Maker who, you know, make an instant, you know, splash into the NBA. Yeah, maybe those guys don't need that. Don't need your advice, per se, as far as what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. Like, they're going to stack their money and they'll be okay from that perspective, right? But yeah, the eight to the thirteen, eight to the thirteen, man. Like I like that whole concept. Like, what are we doing with eight to thirteen? Where where are they going? What's up with them? Like, what profession can we help them get into? And I think that's a solid, it's a solid, solid deal to to be able to take that approach, coach. So, fantastic stuff. Like really, really good. Solid. And I hope any coach listening right now, when you're building your program or you're already in your program, to kind of have that concept of helping your players. To that degree, I think it's fantastic. Now, Coach, I want to ask about this Thank past you. this past season. You guys had a lot of success. 
you know, going to the NCAA tournament, winning some games uh, through the regular season, conference, you know, just a lot of success. What, how did you guys keep your players engaged and prepared because of all the difficulties and pauses and kind of some, even some nonsense at times, but just mainly the difficulties? How did y'all do that? Well, I mean, the credit goes to our, our team, our group, you know, and, and Coach DeVries, our head coach. Um, one of the things that I enjoy amongst many other things is how we approach it. Uh, we try to make it as fun as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our guys, this is not an environment that's embracing. It's a collaborative space where guys can say, man, coach, I see this out there. You know, what do you think? We don't have all the answers. You know, we lean on them as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's one of my biggest takeaways is that we make it uh, from a practice standpoint, we make it where they're excited to get there. Um we have guys, it's pretty common practice for our players to come in the office and say, Coach, can we grab a workout or can we watch film? Um, so a lot of it's their idea versus versus it being just the monotonous task of every day we show up, they grind us for three and a half hours. Then we have to go do this. Like, we've tried to make it fun um, for them. And to their credit, they really, uh, the relationship that our guys have one of the unique things with our program, and I always say this, is we have two young men from Newton, Iowa, which is you know small town Iowa, you know incredible people, small town values, and then we have a lot of our team, the nucleus and the core, you know, it's from that Gary, Indiana area, and you look at opposite ends, you know, of, the, of kind of the, the the spectrum, just country, you got city, you have country music, you have rap music. And I think our team, it's, it's pretty common, you know, to see the guys from Newton. They'll jump in the car and they'll go hang out in Gary, Indiana. And, you know, conversely, the guys that are from uh, the Gary, Indiana region, they'll jump in the car and go to Newton, go fishing, hunting, and listen to country music. And, <laughs> nice. you know, I, I think it's our program is, is, and I always laugh and joke, like if the world could take notice, Mm-hmm. Because you have people coming from big, different backgrounds, and the common denominator is that they're all great people from great families, but they're different. They come from different places. And I think that's cool. I mean, we can have a lot of conversations in our locker room because there's people with different perspectives. And they, I, I think that's what has allowed the journey to be great because they're willing to be vulnerable and they're willing to learn from each other and to grow and respect each other. And, I, and ultimately, you know, we always laugh and joke that in 10 years when they come back for the reunion of this, it's going to be so much fun because you have so many people that care so much about each other that genuinely want each other to be successful. Um, and I, I think that's kind of the, the nucleus of it is having good people that enjoy being around each other and that work really hard at it. And, um, you know, and without getting too long when we, we had adversity, it wasn't perfect. Um, yeah. We were 16, we were 14 and 0. We had a COVID shutdown. Um, we were out for two weeks, and then we, um, you know, we had to come back. We had to play Missouri State. It was one of the best teams in the conference, um, and, and we had injuries. We lost two first-team All-Conference players, and we had guys to step up that may not have had the same role. So, I, I mean, a lot of the credit goes to the guys. I mean, they just kept battling. They kept loving each other. They kept enjoying the process, and um, you know, as they say, the rest was history. Yeah. No. Y'all went on a great run there. The winning streak was phenomenal and got national attention, all that. 
But I like I like what you're saying. It's giving us kind of a look behind the curtain to that success that it wasn't uh, just, you know, some people, if you get enough talent coach and you know it, you get enough talent, sometimes you can just roll the ball out. Sometimes, not all the time, depending on how you schedule. Uh, but, you know, you know that's, that's how I'm going to say that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're, you're talking about a player-driven atmosphere, environment, an environment that fosters, hey, let's be player-led. The coaches don't have to take us by the hand and, like you said, grind things out and just kind of make it monotonous, like you said. And I think that's great. And, and that that kind of gives me an insight to how y'all had that kind of success because I was looking at it from the outside. I'm thinking, wow, man, these guys are on a run. Like this year is not the year for people to be making runs like that. It just isn't uh, with all the start stop and all that. And so just a great, great insight coach. I appreciate you telling us that. Cause you know, and that's why I asked that question too. Cause I want to, I literally want to know, Hey, how did y'all do that? I mean, <laughs> what was going on? Like, you know, was everybody just kept in a bubble, like literally? And, you know, so yeah, great, great, great stuff, coach. Now I want to ask about leadership because I know you can't have environments like that without solid leadership and, and, and realistic leadership that you go through a pandemic, you see some social injustice, you see things happening in your life that you start to question your players start to question and just a lot of, confusion can set in what was one of the most important components of leadership that you had to apply during this period of time well it starts at the top you know coach DeVries is our leader and he's from here um and I you know he, he was really incredible with it I mean he provided a space where all of our guys had a platform to talk and, you know, I think it goes back to our team as well. I mean, when you have, I think, athletic teams, and I think that's the beauty of sport uh, because there's a common goal that we're all trying to work toward. And, you know, I think people's views, and especially with a lot of the unrest and some of the social injustice, I think your perspective is shaped based on, you know, how you were raised, the people that you've interacted with, your experience. And I think in a locker room, room setting when you can have so many people from so many diverse backgrounds you look at our staff you have guys that come from small towns you have guys that come from big towns you have guys that come from you know financial well from coming from spots that they were really financially secure you have guys coming from spaces where they may not have been you have guys that you know and i, I think our team's the same way and when you have guys that have trust and they respect each other and they have a bond and they can sit across from each other and they can have grace where you may say something that may not be perfect. Mm, and I wow. think, you know, and they can come and they can grab you and they can say, you know, a lot of the guys call me LB and they say, LB, like you said this, I don't really agree with that. But they won't think any less of me. And the only way we can fix if I say something that may not, that, that may have hit them in a space that's not right or that may have offended them, they're not willing, they're not going to condemn me for that. They're going to say, you know what, man, you know, I don't agree with that. Or, you know, even from a, the election was a contentious topic. Um, you know, you may have a Republican in our locker room that may have a conversation with a Democrat, but often those conversations aren't had because most people stick to their side. Yeah. And that's what I really enjoyed, you know, being stuck in a bubble and being forced to really communicate more. I mean, uh, you could walk in our locker room and guys could have those conversations. And, and I, we would just sit and listen. 
frankly, and, and those guys would leave with a different level of appreciation for both sides. That doesn't mean they have to agree, but I think that if, if the world can take a look at some of these athletic teams and how they've coexisted and how they've loved each other and, and how they can grow them, that doesn't mean they always agree. But I think if you can take that model and we can take that to the world, I think we really could impact and change in this country specifically. For sure. And, I've you know, I've been saying that with some guests here lately, you know, and in prior where we kind of saw things really kind of take a, you know, things took a real bad turn, say, what, six, seven months ago. Right. So I've been saying to people, you know, if people could just take sports as a microcosm of what macro the world could look like, man, I think the world would be a better place. And, and, and that's not to say, hey, what we're doing is so noble, but isn't it? Isn't it nobility to get along with people and coexist and have understanding? And like you said, giving grace, isn't that the ultimate nobility when it comes to human interaction? I think, I don't know. Cause I, people, I would agree. Yeah. Cause some people can say the nicest things and the right things. And then at the end of the day, drop some kind of bomb on you and you'd be like, wow, I didn't realize you were that person. Yet, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so the, the, the beauty of it is just that, Humans can get along. We can agree to disagree. I, you know, if for me, I see it this way, Coach. It's never about a donkey or an elephant for me. It's about the human being. It's always going to be about the human being because that's really who I care about In at the end of the day. my A party affiliation, that's cool. Like, I get that. We all want to get worked up during the elections and all that. But at the end of the day, what's happening with people is what matters and who's working for the people. And I think us as coaches – here again, that nobility, there's something noble about it, you know, to, to interact and then get along. So that's great. Now, yeah, I want to ask you about feedback because a lot of us as leaders and and even men and some women as well, like we're human beings, we're all, we're not infallible. Uh, we have a problem with feedback because we don't want nobody to tell us what we're doing wrong or what we thought, what we thought was the greatest thing in the world. Somebody's telling us, yeah, it was all right. Uh, how important is feedback to you as a coach, like for your professional development, for your personal development? Well, coach, I think that is kind of the root of it. I think it's the root of improvement. And now ultimately, I think it boils back to that whole T word, that trust word. But I think the relationships that I have that are the strongest are the ones with people that call and they say, man, LB, you, you, you didn't do a good job with that. Mm. And I can appreciate that more because I think that takes more courage. I think it takes, you know, more uh, compassion in, in, in a weird way. I think it takes more, um, it shows that someone really genuinely cares about you because there's risk with them giving you honest feedback. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I'm, I'm always, and I tell our players when somebody's telling you all everything that you want to hear, and they're not telling you. And I do think there's an element of, of, of how you say it. I don't always think it's what you say, but it's how you present it. For sure. But I do think if someone's always telling you how good you are, you know, I, I think you want to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, yeah. I, I, I think there's a huge element to that. Yeah. And if you're married, you know, it's definitely how you say it, not what you say. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife, yeah. if you ask her, she'll say it's, it's, it's not. Well, it's not always how I say it, but it's what I say. Yeah, yeah. So I think she would argue that it's both on my yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, for for a lot of us, there's no way out. It's like 
<laughs> darn if you do, darn if you don't. But yeah, you're right. There's uh, like what you're talking about, courage and compassion, that there's risk in it. Like, I think here again, this is not just about the game. This is not just about winning 25 or how many games in a row y'all won. This is about truly understanding that human interaction is at the core of what we do as leaders, as coaches, as mentors, as even role models, some of us. And I think everybody listening really should pay close attention to what you're saying because that coexistence, that really matters to me. And, and I hope that's what we're doing here is getting that out. Now, improving, improving is always important. Now, with you, with you all as a group, how important was mental health for yourself, for the team, and for the staff? I think that's one of the areas in our just industry, in our world, for that matter. I think that's really that there's some incredible awareness being brought to. Yeah. And in our program, I mean, that's a major piece. We have resources available for our young people. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I mean, there's a lot of pressure from people, uh, you know, whether it's social media pressure, whether it's family pressure. A lot of these guys were really highly touted coming in. Yeah. And I think living up to the standard that the world creates, there's some, there's pressure and, um, you know, you put people in a position where they have to do work at a really high level academically, then they have to perform on the court. And, um, you know, often I think that and, and the NBA has led the charge with, you know, guys um, that are in the NBA that are stepping in and say, wait a minute, you know, it's okay for me to have some you know, some issues that, that may not just be physical, but that are also mental. And I, yes, that's a major part of, of our of, of athletics, not only just athletics, but I think with just people in general. And yeah. you know, I know my wife always says a good conversation can can fix a lot of things, but I, I really believe sometimes just offloading some of your thoughts and having people that are willing to listen and, and that are willing to say, you know what, you're not alone having that feeling. These are some feelings that I have as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm here for you, good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, I think that goes a long way. And, and I think the days of just toughen up, like, as a man, you know, I think it's, and I grew up in a small town, it, it was kind of customary. I mean, you got to be tough. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think there's a major, and I'm, and I'm thankful that there's a lot of awareness that's being brought toward uh, just mental health. But, yes, I think that's a major, major piece, and I hope it continues to evolve and grow. My, yes, for sure. You know, I like what you're talking about, vulnerability to say, hey, we're all kind of going through this, myself included. And I think that relates to players and that speaks volumes to them because you're not just the person that's a robot to them or seemingly uh, a robot who does make mistakes, but yet acts like I don't make any because I'm a robot. Um, and, and for them to come out and say, yeah, I'm not OK. You know, there's that saying it's OK that you're not okay or to say that you're not okay. And it is, but I think we need to take it a step further. It's not okay to stay that way. And I think that's where we need to progress to, because I think that's what they deserve. That's what we all deserve is, you know, here again, coexisting, collaborating, such great idealisms for the world, not just for sports. So good stuff again, man. I really do appreciate you sharing that. Um, Yeah, your support system, Coach, because we all need it, whether it's your staff, uh, whether it's your, you know, your best friend, whether it's Morgan, your wife, whoever it is. How important is that to you? Incredibly important. I mean, I I, I think they know 
you know, a lot of times I ask people, you know, how, how's your cup? Is it, is it full? Is it close to being full? Is it half empty? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times, especially when you're in a space that, you know, your energy is, is, is important, um, you know, oftentimes people don't check on that. And I think yeah. having a support system that knows when your cup is close to empty and oftentimes without you even having to say it, that they can sense in, you know, your voice so they can sense in just your tone. Yeah. Um, I think that's such an important part to have people and, and to your point of just the feedback of, you know, look, man, you need to get some rest or, yeah. you know, look, you know, you, 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 um, you know, even over here, my wife may overhear uh, a conversation and she say, she may come up and say, listen, you know, you might need to call he or she and apologize because, you know, what you said may have been, um, the, the, the way that you uh, conveyed it may have been different than how it was perceived. And I, I think that's important to have people that through ups, downs, highs, and lows will be honest with you, but also, you know, that have your best interest at heart. Yeah, it's always great to have people who truly love you and are kind of taking the same journey w- with you, kind of locked arms with you to give you accountability. And in, in like you said, the feedback, because, you know, it's coming from a place of caring, uh, of true, I don't know, goodwill. I think when, you, when people want to see you, your vision fulfilled for your life, or maybe even they care more than you do at times, that's always helpful. Really, really helpful. Now, Coach, yeah, now I want to ask you this, and is, is it, it's kind of like, what's your why? Like, why do you do what you do on a daily basis, Coach? Well, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a great read if any of the listeners have not read it and you know anyone that enjoys reading, I think it's a great book. Yeah. Um, and that question is, is kind of phrased in it. My why is to help young people use this game that we love to create more opportunities when they're done than what they started with. Wow. And that's, that's the root of it. Um, you know, is being able to help a young person figure out in 40 years, how this game, how they can have more opportunity after they, after they finish the four with us. And if they can in 40 years have more opportunities than they started with, then I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. No, no. Those opportunities leads to access, access for a better life, generational wealth, if you will. Uh, generational, yeah, yeah, generational well-being. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot to say about how much money people need to be happy and how much people need a good quality of life rather than money. And I think that's uh, opportunity, man. It's better to have more opportunities than, you know, ability to make a move on each of them. Yeah, I, I, I woke up I woke up this morning thinking that to myself. Like, I got all these opportunities in my life. I'm so glad I didn't have I was looking back. I'm thinking eight months ago, nine months ago, I wasn't saying this, you know. <laughs> so, so I think, Amen. yeah, I thank God wholeheartedly for that. That's fantastic. Now, well, we do a lot with our guys, and yeah. I, I mean, sorry to cut no, you no, off. No, no. I mean, we we make it a point to have lunch, and in fact, we're going to have lunch with one of our players in, in less than an hour, mm-hmm. and we go through that. You yeah. know, let's let's talk about financially. Um, you know, how much? Let's make a budget, and yeah. let's just say you make this amount of money, forty thousand dollars. Let's look at what that budget line looks like, and then let's go back and say, okay, well, if you make this, this is the mortgage or the rent for this type of house. Let's look at it. Yeah. You know, let's look at you know how the taxes come out of it. Let's look at 
um, you know, how you can save money. We give you cost of attendance checks. We give you, uh, you know, money. Some of them receive Pell Grant. We give you camp money. Let, let's look at how much of that you can save. Uh, let's look at your credit score. Let's talk about that. Like, I think a lot of those things that from a, they're not taught in schools anywhere unless you're, you know, maybe a business or a finance major. Yeah. But, you know, those things are important. If, if, if some of our guys, we were getting ready to go to a practice, and one of our players, you know, he started saying, I got to file my taxes. And, <laughs> like, that's cool. Can you help us? Can you help me figure out how to do it? Like, that's what this is all about. Or we get former players now that are moving on in life and transitioning and getting ready to buy a house. And they may say, LB, man, like, you know, I found this house. Now, how much should I put down? Like, that's what it's all about, in my opinion, of, of being able to have those conversations. And I'm convinced that when they know that you care about their well-being, the, the score takes care of itself. I mean, now we work. I'm not suggesting that we're not going to do a, the basketball component of it. But I also think they're bringing a lot of joy to people. They're helping, you know, leave a place much better when they got here than when it was when they got – I mean, they're leaving it in a better position when they leave than when they got here. So I, I think it's incumbent upon us to be able to give them something that they can have as a takeaway as well and, and that they can pay for and they can continue to teach and educate people in the communities that some of them come from. Yeah. It's a reciprocal kind of deal where they're, Sorry, yeah. yeah, they're they're You talked about filling the cup. Kevin Sutton always talks about that. And shout out to Kevin Sutton. Uh, but great he, man. Yeah, great coach. Yeah. Great mentor. Incredible great human coach. being. Yeah. Smooth. And so like he talks about having your cup filled and I like what you said about that earlier. And I think that's what you're talking about too, is like you you can't give out what you don't have. And when, you know, and when you pour out into these young people and to these grown men, even sometimes and young ladies and grown women, you have to have it though. You can't do it without it. And that's, what's important about self care, self reflection, mental health. I think we can tie it all in. And so, yeah, yeah. Great stuff, man. Like I'm, I'm hearing you and it's all tying in. You, like you said, it's not just about that, you know, it's still about basketball too, but man, you can see how you said it's not about the score. It's about the process. It's a, it's not results driven. Uh, and you can tell the results are still good. Like y'all still have great results. It's an awesome part of it now. Yeah. And I, and I think that here again, People hear this and say, yeah, yeah, I've heard it before. Yeah, look, you know, as many games as there are won this year, my goodness, something was going really right. And I'll reiterate that because success, it comes in all ways, shapes, and forms. And this form and this shape, like you're explaining to me, I don't know, I'd want to be a part of it every day of the year. I mean, just just simple as that. Now, Coach. Well, we appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. So, Coach, I want to ask you, because we're always teaching, right? We're always trying to teach our, 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 our student athletes, our, our friends, even our children, our spouses even, or we're being taught, I should say, by our spouses. Uh, but we're always trying to, to, to impart something and pour out into people. What have you learned about yourself throughout your career? Oh, I've learned a, a ton. I often tell people that as much as we try to pour into our players, I think they reciprocate that and they pour it back. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot, just patience. Um, I think a lot of just, um, you know, learning to not that oftentimes uh, you can't assume things about people. Um, not at all. I, 
I think it's, um, you know, learning a lot about where people, their culture and their background and their perspectives and how that shapes their views. Um, I think those things, I mean, if you're willing to listen and you're willing to, to, you know, allow yourself to be vulnerable, to allow your players to know that you don't have all the answers and then that it's okay for them to share their thoughts. I think that's been my biggest takeaways. I think the players teach you equally as much if you're willing to listen and to not put yourself in a position where you're up on a pedestal. And, you know, I, I really believe you can learn so much from them if you're willing to be vulnerable and allow them to teach you as well. But yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you said something that was great, and I think everybody needs to kind of key in on this, like, when you look at that young man, that young woman across from you, even your, even the staff that you're working with, your coworkers, the, your, how do I say, your co-laborers, you, you, have, you have to really consider what was their experience in life that led them to this point? That's what shaped them. That's what made them who they are. Do you need to be, do you need to know what it is? No, but you need to be understanding, have some empathy, you said vulnerability and listen, the, the players, if you're a good listener, players will love you because they love to talk. I mean, coaches love to talk. And so when they see us who love to talk and get long winded, they find out, wow, my coach can shut his mouth for two seconds and hear me out. Wow. He really cares. You know what I mean? They, I it's, it's an amazing thing. So yeah, great stuff. I agree. Great stuff. Well, I I would say this is hard to, and this is a simple adage, I mean, it's a simple lesson or rule. It's, uh, the more you talk, the harder it is to listen. Mm. And the harder it is to listen, the harder it is to learn. Wow. Um, and I think it's pretty that as simple as that, though, that cliche is, uh, or that cliche is, or that saying, I think there's a lot of uh, validity to it. And uh, oftentimes, I mean, that's, sometimes that's the best approach to teaching as well. Because I think if you allow young people to talk themselves through it and you ask them more questions than have answers, I think they learn better from that format. Yeah. And I, I really believe that. I mean, a simple example is if you have a young person that doesn't play and you ask them when they first get here, you know, how many minutes are in a college basketball game? Many of them don't know. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, that, yeah. are, that are available. They, they didn't know there's 40 minutes, but okay, so, you know, there's, five players that can play, you know, 40 minutes. So there's 200 total minutes, all right? And if you play the five and we only play one five man in our system, then there's only 40 minutes to be had. And if you start doing the math and you have them do it, okay, so how many minutes do you deserve to play? I deserve to play 28, okay? So that means that you're going to take those other minutes, remaining minutes that, so you deserve to play more than, and if you allow them to walk and work their way back through it, and sometimes they say, mm, I better start working harder or I need to do more film work. Or, um, and I, I think that's a strategy that I've used over the years, um, you know, with guys. And I think sometimes if you allow them that opportunity, they can come back. And, you know, I, we've had guys on, in our current program that didn't play as much as they wanted and, you know, were highly touted. And, you know, I've sat on the phone when they've told their parent, this is why I'm not playing. Mm. You know, I, I really, I'm not ready to play yet. I don't deserve to play. And this is why and they could, they could regurgitate it. Not, and that's different than a coach saying that. Yeah. But the flip side of that is that young person knows what he needs to work on. 
there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not just him coming and working every day. Like, okay, he knows what he has to improve on to have a chance to play and, and where he can get minutes. And, and I think that's more of it is not just telling them, you know, what is telling them back to your point, the, the why of it and the how of it. I think those things are important. Yeah. I, I've always, I've always seen that. Like you give, you give them the rhyme and the reason they're okay. If you just say, just because do that, just be like, they don't get that. You, you're speaking a language that they, they can't even begin to understand. And so that's, that's yeah, great point. Great point, coach. Now my last question, coach, it's always about legacy. And I know you still got a ways to go. I'm not sending you off into the sunset, <laughs> but kind of like, you know, a working legacy, something like begin with the end in mind, so to speak. What would you want people to, to say of you? And what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? Wow, that's a powerful question there, Coach. Um, I, I think the number one thing is that I would want people to say that it's never about me and that I always was concerned more about the person, just that their well-being went off the court first. Um, I, I would say that. I would say the second thing is that and this is a lesson that my father really instilled at an early age is that um, no matter what happens, that's not important, but it's how you deal with it. And I think if you ask anyone, I'm, I, I always find the positive in everything. I mean, we can lose a game and people get mad because I'm always going to be positive about how we, I'm going to see all the good stuff versus the bad stuff. And I, I think people would say, you know, I'm often overly positive, but that's how I'm wired because of my father. Um, and I think those two things, I mean, it's, 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 I got into this to help young people. And I say this when I was at Orangeville and I mean it, like I'm okay losing every game. If I get fired, knowing that I did what was in the best interest of kids. Mm. And if, if, if I'm not, if I'm doing that and that gets me fired and I have to go back and coach high school or work at Walmart, I'm okay with that. Um, and I, 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 I live every day with that, that in mind. I think it's about the young people, and that's what's most important for me. Coach Blunt, I appreciate your time, brother. I really do. Uh, fantastic time here. You know, your perspective, your view on things is so appreciated. So I thank you for coming on and spending some time with us. Coach Lopez, I sincerely appreciate you having me. Um, my email, I always will, will leave this in part. Uh, email is coachblunt at gmail.com. My Twitter, my Instagram, all of that is coachblunt, just B-L-U-N-T. Um, if I can help anyone, my path is really unique, and a lot of people help me along the way. So if I can do anything to help anyone, that's all my information. Please feel free to reach out. Um, and, and Coach Lopez, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to have me on. No, the pleasure was on my Coach. Thank you so much. Absolutely.